informative, educational, insightful. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Well, good afternoon. Welcome to the Transformation for Success show. I'm Dr. Barbara Young, your radio talk show host, and I have with me today Dr. Virginia Collin, my guest co-host today. And we have our guest, Mr. Paul Ziliak from Chicago, Illinois. I'm calling him the mobile man. The mobile man. Well, we are broadcasting from the Sage Summit 2015. Uh, we have about 20,000 people who are here sharing and learning and caring. Sage is one of the largest internet companies in the world and this is truly an opportunity and I'm sure Virginia you're gonna say the same thing that we are so happy that we're here today. I and am this, having a great time. I know you're having time. a great time. I'm having a wonderful time. <laughs> and for the audience and listeners out there to really gain the scope of this I want you to go to Facebook dot Voice America. I probably am giving the wrong thing but I'm gonna do it again. It's facebook.com forward slash voice America. I'm going to repeat that. That's facebook.com forward slash voice America. And you can go and look at all of the photographs that will depict what a wonderful time that we are having along with other folks. So I want to welcome you, Paul, to the show today. Thank you for being our guest. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. Well, you know, I'm thinking about a man from Chicago on a mission. <laughs> The Mobile King. So look, I want you to tell us, Paul, a little bit about yourself. I uh, understand you were born in Chicago or you live in Chicago. Tell us a little bit about your background. Well, I was actually born in a little farm town called Kiwani, Illinois. It's about 100 miles outside of uh, Chicago. My father worked for Sears Roebuck and Company. Back in the day, Sears had credit managers in every store all uh, throughout right. the U.S. And right. Each time he'd get a promotion, we'd move to a new town and, and all of that. So Chicago was one of my ta uh, hometowns as a young boy. And uh, as an adult, after college, I moved to Chicago, and I've made my life there with my family. Well, you know, this is really interesting. We have on also on our guest today, Ryan Treasure. So Ryan's going to join us and sort of talk with you because, look, you are the mobile king. And I want to know a little bit about your background because, one, we've shared a little bit before and that you were CPA. Now, Paul, CPA to getting into mobile apps, you got to tell us your journey. You know, that's a, <laughs> it, it, th thanks for asking me about that because it, it's something I've given a lot of thought to. I, I spent eight years working in public accounting, learning really from some of the best manufacturing and distribution companies mm -hmm. in the Chicagoland area as an auditor. But it was never work that I was particularly happy doing. I, I understood the, the great knowledge I was gaining about business and especially about some of the most important types of businesses that we have, manufacturing and mm -hmm. distribution in this country. I had the opportunity, a gentleman named Irv Michaels introduced me to the idea of accounting software and ERP systems in the early 1990s. I didn't have a whole lot of commitments in my life at that time, so I made a flying leap out of public accounting and started putting in software systems. Wow. And <clears throat> The thing that we did back in, in those days is we replaced a lot of paper-based accounting systems with software for the first time. And I had a chance to see the remarkable transformation that these businesses experienced by applying software to formerly manual processes and the information that could be shared and the power mm -hmm. from the knowledge that they gained. Well, 
was this a was this a dream? I mean, did you sort of uh, sort of vision, uh, you know, have a vision of this? I mean, how did this come about that you would think of, you know, going from paperless to, you know, applying it in a, an application? You know, I like to think of it. Maybe a dream's a good way to think of it. Maybe a dream in progress uh -huh. is a good way for all me right, to think about it. All right, I like that. It. Yeah. You know, if I go back, you know, I've been an information person all my life, and I wonder if it was my destiny. I was a paper boy and I, and I mm -hmm. really longed to be a paper boy, you know. So when I was 12 years old, you know, I was delivering the best source of information for world news, local news, wow. horoscope, yeah. Yeah. crossword puzzle, <laughs> coupons, all of those things. Now we do that with mobile apps for business. Yes, we do. Yeah. Yes. That's great. That's really, that's an interesting journey to you know, go from paper boy to CPA mm -hmm. to doing it with software and now mobile. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's uh, not a journey that I would have predicted, <laughs> but it's easy for me to connect the dots when I look back. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, so what do you feel that you are getting out of, out of SAGE and the summit? Is this your first time coming to a SAGE summit? It's not. Uh, I've okay. probably been to... 15, maybe 20 wow, wow, wow. events too, which by the way is going to be held in my hometown of Chicago next year. I just Oh learned. boy, I know you're happy about Very that. Happy. Oh, it's wow. Great. Well, tell me, what have you gained over the years in terms of SAGE and how has that impacted your life? Well, you know, one of the uh, things that, that has really benefit, benefited me from the SAGE relationship has been uh, um, just the community of talented people that I've had the opportunity to work with. Um, I'm not a computer programmer or a mobile programmer, mm -hmm. but now I work with them day in and day out, and they're really unusual and creative minds. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, is I have the opportunity to interact with business owners and operators day in and day out. You know, people who are really essential to building communities, mm -hmm. um, improving people's lives through the work and services that they provide. So that's the great blessing that I've had from being part of the SAGE community now for over 20 years, is that access to the talent, the creativity, and the leadership in, in the community. I, I have a quick question too, because you know we talk about the upside, which has been a blessing, as you say in your words, but what are some of the downsides? Because you know, when you're trying to take businesses, some of them, into the age of technology and doing uh, different ways of things, what kind of resistance did you have and how did you overcome that? So in, um, in 1993, I was putting in a system for a manufacturing company and there was a payroll uh, person who I was working with. So we were, we were going to automate their payroll process for a long time. It was a woman who was quite a bit older than me at that time. Mm -hmm. And we worked together on a Friday, made our plans to come in on Monday and continue the project. I arrived on Monday and I said, where's Pam? And they said, Pam retired. And honest to gosh, it's really, you know, it's something that I used to worry about quite a bit early on was people losing jobs um, because mm -hmm. of the automation. Mm -hmm. Actually, what oh, I yeah. saw really came about was people's jobs became better. A lot of tedious tasks that people used to do, really boring work. People, we've eliminated a lot of that and now it's more actionable work, more work on intelligence. So we challenge people to be smarter about the work that they do by eliminating really redundant and boring, mind-numbing kinds of tasks. Do you find that the younger generation or people who are younger uh, more embrace this whole notion of technology and doing things different than say, I like to use the word, our seasoned folks. Well, uh, Forbes had an article <clears throat> about a month ago and, and they said that by 
the year 2020, 50% of the workforce is gonna be so-called digital natives. These are, these are young people who used the internet before they could read. So there's a big gap between the expectation of how we interact with information and technology than people from my generation. And it's coming, it's a wave that's undeniable, so. But how do we reconcile what we heard this morning in uh, the keynote? Uh, we're talking about uh, the age of technology, mm -hmm. but we hear the speakers talk about friendliness and establishing relationships. How does that come into play as we move into this digital world, so to speak? You know, it's an interesting thing. My, my father-in-law is an anthropologist and he's written books about technological impact on culture. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, one of the things he pointed out to me about 10 years ago is, is that these technology tools in and of themselves aren't necessarily good nor bad. It's really the spirit that's being brought to them by the people who are interacting mm -hmm. with the technology. Mm -hmm. I, I think that um, there's an opportunity with the technology to actually enhance intimacy by being connected with people who we care for. The danger is when you fall into isolation with the device and information with the information and keep your life too narrow. So that's really, that's on families mm -hmm. and it's also on businesses to keep awareness of keeping a broad perspective in the world that we live on, it's a big challenge. Well, my co-host, um, Dr. Virginia, works with families and does a lot with parenting and families. Is there something that you want to ask? Uh, I'm curious uh, what you would like to say about how this affects people's lives. You know, you've, you've mentioned the transition from doing everything by hand on paper or with a typewriter on paper and carbon copies and recording machines. And I was there, I worked in an office then. Um, the transition from that to having the software so that people don't have to spend nearly as much time doing tedious tasks was great. And it changed the lives of people in business and it may have impacted their families. And now we're going mobile. Now, this is what you're about, right? More yep. and more is going to be done just on our smartphones. You don't even have to have a desktop computer. So I would love to hear how you think that will change business and how that will affect families. That's a great question. Um, <clears throat> and let's see if I can tie the family piece into my, my answer. Uh, I, I gave a presentation here at the Sage Summit a couple of days ago mm -hmm. about why mobile, why now? Right. And I asked the audience, uh, how many still use a fax machine in their business? And look at two of you are raising your hands right now. So there was, it was an audience of about 110 people and over half of them raised their hands. And so I, I raised the example in business of one of our clients, Raja Foods and Patel Brothers Grocery Store. Patel Brothers is the largest grocer for Indian food in the United States. Over 50 grocery stores and growing. And they reorder from their own distribution business to fill their shelves with the great Indian and Pakistani food. So they had a process with that involved clipboards and order forms and to reorder product. They'd walk the shelves and monitor how much product that they needed. And once they were finished, they'd fax these sheets back in to the office. Right. Well, they might have 200, 250, 300 items then that a person would have to take off the fax machine. It would take them an hour 
to key the information into the system. It was really oh, wow. a tedious. long, tedious process. Wow. So what we did for them is we provided the, uh, them with iPad minis with scanners. And now oh, what they wow. do is they just walk the aisles and they scan the product. They push a button to submit those orders into the back office system. And now everybody's life is better. Nobody is entering that tedious 300 line right. order. And the people in the store are getting the work done much faster and the business owners are making much more profit because of the labor efficiency that I they need get. you Paul okay. I need you <laughs> so <laughs> all right we've so got to get my iPad mini loaded so up <laughs> it, it sounds like you just made one job unnecessary the person who was doing the data entry reading the faxes and passing that information along is no longer necessary what does that person do now yeah, what, um, you know, honestly, what, what, we've, what we've seen more of, we, we've, we've seen less of job replacement, and what we've seen more of is job transformation. The companies who make these kinds of moves right. are the kinds of companies that grow. Right. Yeah, I want right. to jump in here and add yeah. a couple of pieces on that. I actually agree with you. And, and uh, Virginia, that's a great question because we always do wonder about, you know, who uh, uh, whose job is going to get replaced right. by technology. But, you know, the answer for that, because Voice America, we're, uh, you know, a technology company, a media company, um, and we like to automate systems as well. And we had some uh, similar circumstances where we were automating accounting functions and different things. And then you say, well, what happens to the person who does the data entry? Well, the person who does the data entry knows that information better than anybody on the planet Earth. So now that person manages, right. um, you know, the system itself. So as uh, for our accounting purposes, as you know, information is being put in by automated components when either contracts or agreements or whatever are coming through. Um, you know, she's she's the one who already knew the information and was data entering that uh, into the into the computer. Um, now what she's doing now is managing all of the data resources um, that come in via digital mechanisms and you know filtering through those. So she she still has a job, she's just doing the same thing, but just in kind of a different capacity. You know, yep. that is exactly the answer I was hoping to hear. I didn't know what I would hear, but you know, we're not putting people out of work, we're transforming their jobs. And, and, it's and good it's, to know. It's really true. I'll say I've seen a direct correlation in my experience between the companies, the small businesses that invest in technology and their ability to grow and actually add more jobs in their company. Yes. And they're better yes. jobs and they're more interesting jobs right. so um, you're right i knew the answer but i didn't want to share that why <laughs> did you to say that because uh, we have found that in and i work in a work actually still do in a large uh university system mm -hmm. and of course there were people soft came in i shouldn't be calling names but anyway to uh replace the whole system of how accounting and all the things are done technology uh, technologically and but it added more employees actually as a matter of fact and many people rose up the ladder instead of being decreased oh great great paul yeah so what do you see uh for the future of the mobile apps and more and more because i love that topic that you had why mobile and then what is and it why now what, why now <laughs> what, yeah the reason why you know why mobile why now is the the um the technology is very reliable it's mature already, um, and it's very scalable. Um, whether it's uh, an iPhone, you know, Apple type of environment, or an Android, Google environment, these are great devices. And I think there's still a lot of resistance in small and medium-sized businesses in advancing forward with the technology because they might be afraid that it's not going to work. The, the fact mm -hmm. is, is that, that these are very reliable, and the companies who are putting these kinds of systems in have been in the technology field 
you know, for quite some time. Mm -hmm. So we're not new to the dance. So I, I think from my job, you know, I think of myself as a mobile evangelist, and I appreciate yeah, you giving me the name the it. Mobile King right. or the Mobile Man or whatever. <laughs> right. But, you know, I, I see it being my job to evangelize people and take away the fear and take away the mystery of um, using these devices, being them smartphones or tablets in, in business, because um, it's, it, it's so powerful, it's so transformative, and um, it, it does make things better for, for people. You've given me a great idea. Uh, for a new show, um, <laughs> no, a uh, uh, segment on one of my, my show, Transformation for Success, because we talk about transformation. Mm -hmm. Transformation occurs in many, many ways. When we talk about transformation, we're talking about change. And so there's transformation in technology, but what I just heard you say is how there are still business owners, small business and medium-sized business owners, who are afraid of technology, who have fears. You call yourself this evangelist, you know, this mobile evangelist. I think it's great because there, there needs to be a better platform and maybe through some of the things that we can do mm -hmm. uh, to share your, your information with, along with others to get that message out to small business owners who may not be able to come to a SAGE conference, that they can get that word. So you've given me a great idea. And you know, if you invite me to be a guest on I'm your new segment, you. then I'll be very happy to I am going to invite you. I'm definitely going to invite you. I would like to invite you right now to address another fear. I'm, I run my own business, so I am acquainted with a large number of entrepreneurs. And one fear, as you've mentioned, is that the technology won't work. Another fear I hear pretty often is it's not really secure. This, this, we're putting stuff out there in the ether, in cyberspace. How do we know that this is really a secure way to do things? And I bet you can tell me really well. Did you happen to see uh, on the New York Times Online a couple of days ago had an interactive article that asked if, you know, in a, in a certain time frame, like within the last three years, have you done business with any of these companies? And most of them were large conglomerates, companies with multi-million dollar technology budgets to be able to manage things like security and, and data encryption and things of that nature. You know, and I, so I went through it myself and I tapped on, you know, Target and, Home Depot and you know some of these other uh, places. Those, those were the places that had the big data breaches. Right. Yeah. And so what it does is it tallies for you uh, all of the uh, all of your personal information that was likely exposed if you ran a credit card through these companies, you know, during this time. So the th the thing about the um, security, you know, as we as we advance through technology and we make and, and we make our progress with technology you know unfortunately there there are always going to be people who are going to be looking to exploit the advances and so the key to the whole thing is and it's real you know it's out of my control we don't look to manage our own security we look to apply security software applications yep. that are out there to help protect the data that's being transmitted. I hope and I pray that those companies are staying ahead of the 
Well, bad, I think they the have to. Guys, you know, right? um, yeah. everything's moving in a kind of a digital capacity. I think, um, you know, everybody had, you know, always talked about, you know, data centers and how vulnerable a data center may be. And then um, you start to have um, advances in technology as it relates to cloud computing, which is essentially, you know, not really any different than a data center. A cloud is still a data center. It's just coined slightly different term with some different options uh, for, you know, hosting of any kind of data. And I think as that stuff moves along, uh, those, there's, there's, you know, uh, hosting companies, I'm going to, you know, Amazon, uh, AWS and Rackspace um, and some other larger organizations that house data for all the mobile apps that we all use today. And I think that that data, depending on who your, uh, uh, who your storage partner is for that, really plays a key role in the security components because um, as long as when you're building on a platform, whether it be cloud or uh, hardware-based infrastructure or something like that, um, the developer has the opportunity to leverage what is available to them at the time to create security protocols, um, and which is a lot of the reason why a lot of websites that you go to now, you see it says HTTPS in the top as opposed to HTTP, um, and you're going to see a big transition of websites over the next 10 years go through a complete change of uh, HTTPS, uh, which will allow uh, web websites to be encrypted. So it makes it a really hard for someone to go in on an encrypted website to steal anything uh, because it's completely encrypted. It's changed every 10 seconds. You know, I, I was reading an article actually on Bloomberg's website last night about computer programmers. There's 16 million computer programmers in the world. Um, of those 16 million people, you're going to have a small handful of individuals that no matter what type of security protocols that you put in place, these are the people that have been living, breathing, and you know, writing code for the majority of their lives. And um, you know, you just want to hope that those are good individuals. And you know, it, you got to say the same thing and kind of apply it into like maybe an analog kind of way. Um, you know, like you and I, we keep our houses and our doors locked to make sure that nobody breaks in. But does that really stop the thieves from coming into your house? No, it just keeps an honest man honest. And then uh, you know. <laughs> So I think you got to kind of look at it the same way is you still have digital components of, you know, that same idea and you're going to put locks on your digital content. But, you know, again, you're keeping an honest man honest and there's always going to be somebody that if they want to get in and they want to do some damage, there's not really anything you can do to stop them. But it's up to the organization who's, you know, holding that data to have protocols in place to, to manage all of those. Crosby, Stills, and Nash saying, uh, teach your children well, and you know, it starts there. <laughs> it does. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, you are the owner of XK Zero Companies. Tell us a little bit about your company, and how you found it, and how you started that company. So, uh, XK Zero, uh, I, I co-founded uh, with my partner, Emery Karaja, okay. uh, back in 2009. Uh -huh. And, um, we, you know, we founded the company really on, on the premise of, of a commitment to uh, technology and ideas and small and medium-sized businesses and, and helping uh, our local community and, and our national and global economy grow. Uh, and to give people the tools to be able to compete with the large conglomerates, mm -hmm. which have never been our target market. So um, we're now actually, uh, uh, we, we formed a new company and um, uh, that is called Max ERP. Max ERP is our parent company now. So we have another business, Micro Accounting, which is a Sage Software business partner. Okay. And then XK0 is a software developer focused on mobile apps and other kinds of intelligence and business productivity That's systems. That's great. You know, one of the things that I heard here um, is that we have become so interdependent, and I've been talking about this for years, um, how we expand and think globally. So how 
do you have plans to reach out globally? Uh, are you already doing that? So, the, you know, what, what's interesting about the way that the, uh, the whole world of just marketing and building a market works now is it's really, you know, it's much more content driven. You know, it, we, we put our focus on building content, sharing the knowledge that we have, suggesting to people how things might be better um, if they do things a certain way. And we find that companies find us. So we hear from companies from the Middle East. We hear from, you know, South Africa. Right, and right. Australia and New Zealand and Europe and places like that without the intention of doing that, but you know, putting information um, out onto the internet through our blogs and all of that, that turns out to be relevant and compelling to people in, in the world. So that's really the key thing is if you're, if you're out there offering products and services that have usefulness, they will find you. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. I really want to thank you so much for taking the time today out of your busy schedule to be with us and share with us. And I know the listening audience has been empowered uh, and energized because you have a lot of energy. You're not the typical tech, I don't want to be branding, but techno type. <laughs> but with it's because a lot he's of not a programmer. He doesn't have yeah. ninja socks. Well, he doesn't. <laughs> and, and it's just so inspiring to have somebody talk about being, you know, this, this evangelist of technology to help people. And I like that. I like okay. your wording, quite frankly. Thank you. Yeah. So, Margaret, I, I would like to <laughs> repeat the thanks you've heard from Dr. Barbara Young. I'm Dr. Virginia Collin. And our guest has been Paul Ziliak of XK Zero company. It's been great learning about mobile everything. <laughs> Mo how mobile, mobile apps? Why now? The mobile world. <laughs> Thanks so much. The pleasure's been all mine. Thank you. And we're Voice America broadcasting from the Sage Summit. You want the truth? Face the facts. This is VoiceAmerica.com. Depend on it.